Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. Whether you're joining us here in person or online, I want to say hello. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. And my hope for you today is that you experience, that you experience that life that's deeply renewed by Jesus and also committed to other people, that you find belonging and that you find hope in the love of Jesus Christ. Of course, today we, it's Father's Day, and we want to say Happy Father's Day to those who are fathers, and, and also knowing that today is a day of complex emotions for many. Maybe you've lost your dad, maybe you have a complex relationship with your dad, and whatever the case may be, and uh, just know that, that you are in our prayers, and probably what is an ill... ill um, Ill advice I want to share this morning in honor of dad, something that I learned. Um, you know that you've all heard that cats have nine lives, but did you know that frogs have more lives than cats because they croak every day? Okay, that's free. That's free, and thank you. Um, okay, I won't do that anymore, but let me say a word of prayer for you this morning. God, thank you so much for, for your love. Thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you so much for the life-renewing spirit of, of your presence that creates belonging and hope in our lives, whether it happens on, on Sunday in worship or throughout the week in groups and, and other opportunities. I pray blessings upon each one who is here. Pray blessings upon all those who are worshiping with us online. May your spirit fill each one, and may, and may you be blessed through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I want you to know that as a pastor, it, I believe that it is important for me to always be learning. I, I work with our staff to, to help us learn together. I work with our leaders to help us learn together. And, and each year, I actually have a responsibility. And if you're in, in any type of profession, you usually have continuing education responsibilities. But I have a responsibility each year to report my continuing education at what we call charge conference so that, so that people can know that, that I am keeping up with our continuing education and part of this training every four years is that United Methodist pastors must engage with sexual ethics and boundaries training. And if you, once again, if you're in any type of workforce, you probably have engaged in similar type of training. And I believe that this is important training. It's important uh, to, to ensure that people are leading well so that people are being protected and, and, and ethical if any problems arise that, that we know and, and can be able to see them. The thing about this training, though, and this is probably true in most organizations, it's a requirement every four years. And so, of course, it's available to take any time during that four years. No, it's only available to take in the last four months of the fourth year. Because, and actually, it's only available to take within a month of, the last, of those four years. And this past year was the end of that four years. And I was, I was told that, that we would have this sexual ethics and boundaries training that was going to take place around the time when my fourth child was being born. And I thought, wow, that's really convenient, right? You know, I've had four years to take this, and now when George, our, our, our youngest son, or younger son, youngest child was born, we are going to have this training. And so, thankfully, it was done in a way where there was in-person training, and then there was also online training. And I said, I can't commit to the in-person training. I have no idea when this child will be born, and I really don't know what is going to be required to me. So I said, like, I'll commit to the online, 
online training. And to do the online training, you had to submit some pre-work, some, some coursework ahead of time, which I, I perfectly agreed to. And the problem in, 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 in this, though, is that as, as this date was approaching, as I was supposed to be working on the coursework, and with the birth of our child, I had everything planned out. And if anything kind of got in the way of that plan, everything was thrown off. Well, my grandfather died a couple of days before the coursework being due. And when you have a death in your family, it changes everything. Everything gets thrown off. And so our family, in the midst of our grand, my grandfather dying, was forced to try to figure out travel, was forced to try to figure out how we were going to, to memorialize him and, and also to celebrate. And on top of this, we were just sad. And the coursework supposed to complete was the farthest thing on my mind. In fact, I got an email from the person who was teaching it and said, hey, you missed this course work, you forgot to do it, or whatever the case may be. Why don't you follow up with the people in charge of, of planning this event to see what your next steps are? So that's what I did. I said, hey, I, I missed this. This is in the midst of our, our, our family funeral time. I missed this. I'm so sorry. We had a death in the family. My grandfather died, and I, I, I would like to figure out how to reschedule. Well, I didn't hear anything. And then the way organizations work, a few weeks later, I received a, a, an email, and this is what it said. Our records indicate that you were registered for said event of sexual ethics and boundaries training on a certain date, and as part of this seminar, you were required to complete pre-work to be admitted to the Zoom meeting of the class. All that's true. We have received the list from the teacher indicating those persons that successfully completed their requirements. Unfortunately, you did not complete one or more of the necessary components of this seminar. Therefore, you will not be certified as completing this session of the mandatory quadrennial, we like to make fancy words, that just means every four years, sexual ethics and boundaries training. It included information about how I had one more option to save my life and complete this, 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 this training, and, and that I, I, this was a terrible option, but they were going to allow me out of their generosity to complete this terrible option. And, and then it further stated, failure to complete this training will necessitate a conversation between you and your district superintendent. Okay, district superintendent is basically my direct boss, my direct supervisor outside the local church. Please do not dismiss this notification. On November 2nd, a list of all persons that fail to prevent certification by November 1st will be given to the bishop, who is like my boss's boss, okay, and the one who's responsible for appointing pastors. So, on a list of names of those who, who did not follow the rules will be given to the bishop and the appointed cabinet for follow-up conversations. There was a reasonable expectation that I would take this training course. There was a reasonable expectation that I would complete the, the boundaries and sexual ethics training course. I signed up for it. I believe that it was a, a responsible thing to do. And this expectation, though, came up to my reality to where I did not complete the course 
because of a family emergency. So there was the expectation that I would do it, and then there was the lived reality to where it didn't happen the way that I was supposed to do it. And, and there is always, there is, this happens to you and to us all the time. There are expectations, and then there is reality. And there's a gap in between it. There's something that gets us from the expectation to the reality, and, and, and we don't know the information in between. I knew for my life that the reason I didn't make the reality happen was because my grandfather was dead and had died when it was supposed to be happening, but nobody else seemed to know that. This happens all the time. You know, maybe you're trying to, to merge on the interstate, right? And you expect somebody, you expect somebody to move over to let you in. But in reality, nobody moves over to let you in. Or, or somebody cuts you off in a way that, that, you, that you think should not happen. There's a gap between the expectation and the reality. And this gap is what you don't know. And then you're forced to fill in the gap with some type of explanation. I, I want to say that a, another preacher, a guy by the name of Andy Stanley, maybe some of you are familiar with him, popularized this idea uh, many years ago in, in a leadership, uh, leadership course that he taught. But, but the expect, expectation is that someone will let you in, and then when this doesn't happen, you're forced to fill in the gaps. And if you're like me, and you are a perfect driver... You assume the worst about everybody else on the road. And you assume that the reason that nobody let you in is because the other person is terrible. And sometimes I even create names for these other people. It's so generous. Names you would never call your children, or at least names you would never name your child when they're born. Just leave it at that. Um, names that I won't mention in church. And names, of course, I would never speak out loud. But you are expected, this is what happens, you, you, you are faced with a gap in this information and, and you have to fill that gap in with something. The expectation doesn't live up to the reality and so you can assume the worst or you can believe, believe the best. You can assume the worst in other people and in the scenario or you can believe the best. I think about that email I received. Now, I won't tell you who it was from, uh, but when I read the email, I was hurt. I mean, I was upset. The language in the email assumed, or at least I, I guess I should, shouldn't assume about the person who was writing the email, but I can speak about what I heard and what I read. And the language that I read assumed the worst about me. The worst about my motives, that somehow I was trying to dodge this mandatory training that's important for people to get, um, and, 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 and that it's expected that you do this requirement, you didn't do it, so now we're going to call the principal and call you in for a meeting. I mean, this is how the conversation goes. You are, you are a, a kind of a child, we need to manage you in such a way. The writer of the, of the email didn't even imagine a scenario where someone like myself might have had a, 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 like a legitimate reason that they weren't able to complete the scenario. When you, when you assume the worst, when you assume the worst, about other people, when you assume the worst about another's motives, you are saying, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And this happens at scale around us all the time. 
Now maybe you have a doctor's appointment at 11 a.m. And, and you expect, well, probably you expect only if you've never been to the doctor before, but you expect to be seen at or near 11 a.m. But then the reality is that come 12.15, your, your stomach's rumbling and um, you still haven't been called back to the waiting or called back from the waiting room. Your, your expectation is one thing, but your lived reality is something else and you're forced to, to fill in the gap. And so you start to do that. You're forced to fill in the gap with some type of explanation. Or maybe it's an encounter with your spouse. You expect them to do something, and they don't do it. Now, maybe it's something you always expect them to do, and they don't do it. Maybe it's something you always expect them to do, and it's a really big deal to you, but your experience in reality is that more often than not, they don't do this. And it's easy to assume in this scenario that the reason your spouse doesn't do what you expect them to do is because they're out to get you. you can, it's easy to assume the worst. You know, they don't care about me. Or they don't love me. Or they're just wanting to uh, annoy me because they won't do this thing that I know or that they know that is really important. Now, a side note, um, you also are assuming that your spouse knows the, or the, the, the expectation. And sometimes our expectations are implied and no one really knows um, unless you, you say them. Or maybe you expect your kid to be home by a certain time, and they are late. And there is a gap between your expectation and your reality, and you can assume the worst. You can, your mind can assume the worst scenario, as parents I know are glad to do, to worry about what might have happened to your child. But then when they get there, you can assume the worst about their, about their intentions. Where in the world have you been? Why aren't you home right now? Why did you not get home by the time I sat home? You've done this, and you've been on the receiving end of this. You've done this, you've assumed the worst about others, and people have assumed the worst about you. And assuming the worst about people is what is, and, and assuming the worst about people and their motives is what breaks down trust. It's what breaks down trust. And in recent studies, we found that about 60 percent of Americans assume the worst about their neighbors. 60% of us assume the worst about our neighbors. Assume the worst. 60% don't trust other people. Now we could go down, down the line and, and talk about why this is, this is a problem and why this is an issue. And there are plenty of, of reasons that a lack of trust, especially in a nation and in a society, is, is a problem but I'm not going to do that today. Instead, today, I want to focus somewhere else. I want to focus on something a little closer to home, perhaps. And that is the lack of trust that can be present in churches. And maybe even the lack of trust that you have experienced in a church. Of course, not your own church, but maybe you've experienced in a, friend, a friend's church. Too often, people in churches are, are doing the same thing and assuming the worst about other followers of Jesus. The way of living in the world kind of, kind of does assume the worst about, uh, about other people. The way of living in the world assumes the worst motives about other people and assumes the worst, uh, assumes the worst intentions when there's a gap between the expectation and the reality. But I want you to know that it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. In fact, the first followers of Jesus 
were people who knew about the power of trust. They knew the power of trust because God had trusted them. And they wanted to create a community, a community where trust was alive and where trust was powerful and where people could belong. They wanted to show the world how powerful trust could be within the church and the kind of impact that the church could have when there was high levels of trust. And one of these early Christian leaders, one of these early leaders in the, in the church, a guy by the name of Paul, believed that one of the keys to building this trust was found, was found in the love that God gave the followers of Jesus. You know, if you don't, if you don't love someone, it's really easy to, to assume the worst about them. If you don't share love with, with, with someone, it's easy to assume the worst about them. But when love comes into frame, things begin to change. So Paul writes, writes a letter to Christians who are living in the city of Corinth. And Corinth is a town in Greece, and, and he is trying to remind them about how it's important to live faithfully, and especially remind them of how they are supposed to, or how they can, build, build a church into a high-trust community. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to follow along in your own Bible, in 1 Corinthians, so he wrote multiple letters to the Corinthians, and this is the first one that's in our Bible. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he writes what will later become one of the most quoted and famed parts of the Bible, and often a part of the Bible that's known as the love chapter. People will often have this read at their weddings, by the way, and I think I had it read at mine, and you probably or likely had it read at yours, or at least have been to numerous weddings where people have had 1 Corinthians chapter 13 read. But Paul, when he was writing about love, he is not writing it for weddings. He is not writing it for people who are even married. Instead, Paul, when he's originally writing to the Corinthians, he's writing about love, and it's meant for the community of believers, the community of those followers of Jesus, together in the church. So if you want to follow along, Paul views this love for one another this one, this love for one another as the thing, as the thing that, that followers of Jesus can use to unlock the power of trust. And the power of love allows you to, to believe the best in other people because you have a commonality in love. So we're looking at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you want to follow along. And today I'm reading from the message translation of the Bible. If I speak, Paul writes, with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Have you ever felt like you might just be a rusty gate creaking? And I mean, I think that's a good illustration. Uh, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake, to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. 
So here Paul highlights the importance of love. He says, I could have all these great things. I mean, I, I, could, I could tell a mountain to move and the mountain actually moves. But if I don't love, I am nothing. Paul says, I could be right and I could win every single argument with my sibling or my spouse. But if I don't love, I'm no good. I'm nothing. As a leader in the church, Paul knows that love is central to Jesus. You see, one time Jesus was teaching, and, and when he was teaching, he was asked, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? And Jesus said, well, it's love God with everything you have and love other people. And Paul knows this. Paul has heard this. He knows the importance of loving God and loving other people. And that's why he says it's so important. But it's not enough just to say you love others. Today we have this idea that love is like this emotional thing that, that you can share in a Valentine's card. But when you look at what Paul writes, it becomes very clear that love is not just an emotion. Because he goes on to describe the kind of qualities that this type of love has, that is present in the love that God has with his followers and that Jesus' followers have with one another. And it's what he says here that we find this idea of love inspiring you to believe the best, to really believe the best in others. He says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a, a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It, it isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep scores for the sins of others, and love doesn't revel when others grovel. Paul is showing us a picture here, is showing you a picture here of, of where, love, where love really doesn't assume the worst in others. Love says, you know, don't, don't count the sins of others. Don't, don't think of the records of wrongs of other people. Don't assume ill intentions of others. Don't assume the worst in others. Paul says love doesn't assume the worst. Instead, Paul continues to write, love takes pleasures or takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love, Paul says, trusts God and always looks for the best. When you live a life of love, it means, it means living a life of trust. When you live a life of love, it means doing things that unlock the power of trust. It means looking for the best in a situation and believing the best in others and intentions. I mean, think about our examples of the gaps in, in information that exist. You could assume the worst about the person who cut you off in traffic because you're the most important person on the road, or at least I am when I'm driving. And it's so easy to assume the worst about every other driver that's out there. I know none of you are on the road when I am, so I'm never assuming the worst about you. But, but, but it's so easy to assume the worst about, about other people. But, but what if instead of assuming the worst about their intentions that you believe the best? And if somebody cuts you off in traffic or won't let you on, maybe... Maybe you imagine that they just received some bad news. Maybe about a loved one or themselves. They can't even imagine you in the world because they're dealing with the hurt inside their own heart. 
Or maybe they're just running late to an appointment or running late to pick up their kid and, and they know that somebody's counting on them and, and that, and that they're, they're not really concerned with you, but, but you, you have this expectation that they did one thing, but they acted another way and, 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 and you start to believe the best about them. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe they're on the way to the hospital and they only have one thing on their mind and it's what's happening at that hospital. When you assume the worst about someone because of a traffic offense, you boil their whole life down to, to, to a mistake or to something that, can in, that inconvenienced or upset you. But in reality, there are a multitude of, of, of reasons that could explain their behavior, and, and many of them, many of them you've been there as well. I think about the letter I received after my grandfather had died and, and about missing the training. I mean, the, the, the tone of the letter, the way I received it, it was assuming the worst about myself. It was assuming the worst about me. And it, it came from someone who was supposed to at least be, be supportive of pastors and myself in, in ministry. And, and, and the letter, it would only have needed a minor change to, to believe the worst or to believe the best in, in, in other people instead of assuming the worst. You know, it was true that, that myself along with others missed the training, and all the letter had to say instead was, our records indicate that you missed the training you were supposed to attend. I mean, that's right. Um, but then if one sentence was added, it would have changed the whole thing. Our records indicate that you missed this training. Is everything okay? Is everything Okay. That, that one question would have said, you know, I can respond and say, no, everything is not okay. Thank you for asking. And, and, and I could, could, could realize that I've got this stuff to do. I know I have this stuff to do, but then realize that somebody cares. You see how that's different? The, the, there, there is a gap. When there is a gap between your expectation and your reality, you have a decision to make. Am I going to assume the worst about the other person? Or am I going to believe the best? And the decision is yours. You know, if someone misses a meeting with you or, 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 or maybe doesn't do something that, that, they said, that they said they were going to do, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to just invent a charitable explanation. Just invent a charitable explanation. It doesn't have to be real. It doesn't even have to be what you feel in your heart. But just, just invent a charitable explanation. You know, maybe they had car trouble. Or, or, or maybe, maybe their baby kept them up all night uh, from crying and, and, they, and they, they're not really sure what to do today. Or maybe their calendar got deleted and, and, and they lost your meeting time. And, and here's the beauty of this solution. If they actually had a problem... If they actually had a problem that, that is a legitimate reason for missing or for not following through on their commitment, you haven't just thrown them under the bus. You haven't just, 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 just pushed your relationship aside because they wronged you or offended you. And then here's the other part of that. If they had no excuse, and if they really are just lazy or, or just like sloughing off, is that a word, on their, uh, like on their responsibilities, they'll feel bad about it. They'll feel bad about it. And, and they, will, they will work to try to make it better and to figure it out. But whatever the case, you have prioritized the relationship. You have prioritized love over being right. And there are always gaps in information. You, there are always going to be things that, that you don't know about in, in a situation. And you have a choice. Are you going to assume the worst? 
Or are you going to believe the best? And so I want to challenge you just, just to practice this. Today or later this week, spend some time writing some charitable explanations. Spend some time writing some charitable explanations for, for common situations where there's a gap between your expectation and your lived reality. You know, maybe she didn't hear me when I asked this. Or, 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 or maybe they're having car trouble. Or, 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 or maybe, um, maybe there was a, a regatta and a cycling competition and they got stuck in traffic at Melton Lake and weren't sure how they were going to get to the meeting. Just think about some common experiences where, where there is a gap in the information in your life and in your relationships and just write some explanations that can help, that can help you believe the best in others. And then remember them. Commit them to memory. You see, when you memorize just a few of these, the next time you encounter a gap between your expectation and reality, you'll have these to pull on. And you may not even believe them at first. You may really believe in your heart that this is a you know, lousy no good that cuts you off in traffic. But, but at least you could, you could practice saying them. At least you could even, even use them to explain other people's things. It's things like believing the best. I mean, really believing the best or giving people the benefit of the doubt that are made possible because of the love of God. Because of the love that, 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 that God has given you and asked you to share with one another. And believing the best will unlock the power of trust in your life. And that's what this whole message series has been about. Unlocking the power of trust. And so far we've discussed three keys to developing high trust in levels of high trust in your life. And the first is just to have deep personal integrity. The second is to, to talk to people, not about people. And the third is kind of closely related to that. It's to believe the best in others. Believe the best in others, especially when there's a gap in information, a gap between your expectation and your reality. These are things that you can do to build trust in your life and in your relationships. And this is, is so, so, so important. In fact, in a recent book about trust, the author Henry Cloud argues that trust is not optional. Trust is not optional if, if you are going to have a good life or realize any kind of success. Trust is not optional, period. And in our world of broken trust, there is so much pain. There, there is so much pain, but if you and I work together to cultivate trust, if, if you and I work together to cultivate trust, we can create deeper relationships. We can create more trust that is centered, is centered in the love that Paul tells us about, and you can make a difference. You truly can make a difference in building success and a good life for yourself and, and really in our nation. And it all begins in trust. So remember... So remember, when there is a gap in information, when there is a gap between your, your expectation and, and, your, and your lived reality, you have a choice. The choice is yours. You can assume the worst, or you can believe the best. And I hope that you will believe the best. Let's pray. God, you give us the example of, of how to build trust in, in, in the Bible. Your, your early followers knew what it was like to, to create communities of trust so that the world would know and the world could see the power of trust. I pray for each one who hears these words that you will, you will help them to see you. 
You will help them to to believe the best in others when there's a gap in information. That you would convict each one of us when when we begin to assume the wrong. When we begin to assume that, that other people have ill intentions or ill motives, and instead, oh God, create charitable explanations. Create charitable explanations that allow for grace, that prioritize relationship, that help unlock the power of trust in this church community. And God, may this church community become a beacon of trust for all of our world that all can see the power, the love, the things that are possible when we believe the best and trust one another. Amen. May God's love fill you this day. May you believe the best about others and may you go with the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day and happy Father's Day. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.